I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work or not. Each episode will not only offer you a new perspective on dating, but will also change the way you date. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear commentary from my producer, Julie Krafchick, and other surprise co-hosts. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. Let's talk about sex, shall we? Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. It's all I ever want to talk about anyways. Let's talk about you and me. All, all the, the good, good things. times and the bad good Wait, things. Good, good things, things or bad, bad times? times. Oh, man. We're I thought I knew out. all the We're lyrics in the song. But we are about to talk about sex, one of my favorite topics. But we're going to talk about sex in a more professional way because we're speaking to a sex and relationship coach. Her name is Celeste Hirschman. She lives in San Francisco and originally from San Francisco. She is in her 40s, currently single and actively going on dates. 
Hi, Celeste. Hi. You must really love the topic of sex, too. It's all I want to talk about. It's all you ever <laughs> want to talk about. Always. <laughs> I'm going to brunch with you. Because <laughs> that's how our brunch conversations always turn out. Let's talk about what is a sex and relationship coach. We know what a relationship coach is, but yeah. what's a sex coach? Well, I think, you know, if you go to a traditional sex therapist or relationship therapist, you're going to talk a lot about your issues. But sex coaching, we do experientially. Not everybody does, but we do. So we've created the Somatica method of sex and relationship coaching. And that means we're not just sitting and talking, but also teaching people how to be more sensual and how to be more passionate, how to show their desire through their eyes, how to touch better. So it's more interactive. So there's a hands-on component to this. Exactly. Hands-on, clothes-on. So- <laughs> Just to be clear. Just to be clear. <laughs> we don't take our clothes off, but we do teach that whole seduction process. And is that something a sex therapist wouldn't do? Yeah, they can do any touch in their oh, office. So they I give see. homework. They might show videos, those oh. kinds of things. Oh, so basically you are the physical therapist to a doctor. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's a good You're analogy. Yeah, I like right. it. Right, now I'm getting <laughs> what you do. How did you become a sex coach? Uh, well, I got my master's in human sexuality studies, but that was a very like clinical program. And what when I met my business partner, we both wanted to do experiential work. And so we created our own method over this last 13 years of working with clients and seeing what they really needed to learn, what they were good at, what they didn't know how to do. So my business partner and I created a method where we actually help people practice, like the whole seduction aspect of sex. So from touch to how you talk to somebody in a sexy way to how you look them in the eyes and bring your erotic energy. Uh, So it's more practical, experiential work. There's also deep emotional work in it, but there's that, you know. So very hands-on. It's hands-on, yes. What are some of the reasons that people come to you? I mean, everything from sexless marriage, if it's a couple, to Mm -hmm. just wanting to be a better lover or wanting to, you know, be better at dating or, you know, for women, a lot of times they'll have low desire. They want to get Mm -hmm. back into their sexual empowerment and excitement about sex. Do you focus more on the physical aspect or is there like a psychological component as well? It's both. It's really, and they're so intertwined, you know. What are some common misconceptions people have about what you do? The work that I do is hands-on but clothes-on. So sometimes people, <laughs> sometimes people get confused and say, do you have sex with your clients? No, definitely not. Um, because I think what we do is actually very cutting edge. Not everybody does it. People haven't really heard of it. So usually it's hard for them to picture, you know, what actually goes on in my office. Because we have this very sort of like monogamous mindset. Like you can't practice with someone how to be sexy. And But it's just like you need to learn how to swing a golf club. You know, you need to learn how to play piano. And just imagine if you go into to a piano lesson and your teacher sits there and talks to you about piano for an hour and the next week they do the same thing. You're never going to learn piano. You're certainly not going to learn how to be a more sensual lover or toucher if you don't get any feedback on how your touch comes across. So do people come to you solo or as couples or as groups? both solo and as couples. And then we teach a big training. We actually train coaches in our method. Is it mostly men or what's the split men and women? It's very balanced between men, women, and couples. I guess I would have the misconception that sex coaches are really good at sex. I mean, I don't know if that's a misconception. I would think you're probably (laughs) really good at sex. And that could be very intimidating when you're dating. I think I'm really good at sex. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Sometimes I get sort of a surprise like, wow, you're sexy. (laughs) Makes me feel good. And is that how 
you came into this field? I was always very sexual. Like as a young person, I was interested in sex. I liked to flirt. I liked to dress in sexy ways. So it wasn't something where I was repressed and then kind of came out of my shell. It was a little bit more like that for my business partner, Mm -hmm. which is great because she kind of has like the female perspective more. And I'm a little bit more like a guy. I want to bang. I want to bang. <laughs> so when you told your family about this, like, were they not surprised? No, they weren't surprised at all. My family is like, I, you know, I was born in, in San Francisco to hippie parents. So there was no like. <gasps> They're like, of course. Yeah. At what age did you figure out that you're really good at sex? I feel like I was just very natural from when I started having sex because I didn't get a lot of shame. That's one of the good things about having hippie parents is mm. you don't get a lot of messages like mm-hmm. sex is bad or evil or your body is not okay. You know, like our bodies were celebrated. People walked around naked. Like it was very normal. And how do people know if they're good at sex? I feel like that's one of those things that like some people do think they are and some people think they're not. What's the parameter? Don't you think most people think they're good at sex? I mean, I don't want to talk for all people, right? I'm assuming (laughs) there's a clientele that comes to you that doesn't think that they're good at sex and that's why they're coming. So I think a lot of people are actually shut down around sex because we don't celebrate it as something that's an essential part of who we are. No, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. We don't think of like, yes, of course everyone wants to have sex and it's a great thing to do. You know, we think of it as like trivial or dirty or, you know, there's these mm-hmm. negative messages that I think shut people down around their sexuality. So it's not it's not that everybody thinks that. I think the way you know if you're good at sex is the noises that your partner is making, right? Mm. <laughs> The physiological responses of their body, you know. So on um, the season finale of season seven, we had Dr. Alexandra Solomon on the show. Mm -hmm. She teaches one of the most popular classes at Northwestern called Marriage 101. And as part of it, she talks about how sex is very important in in your marriage, in your relationships, but people don't know how to enjoy sex. And similarly, I brought up a friend of mine who's just turned 21. I have a very young friend. Mm -hmm. She's, she's an old soul. And she told me when she first started having sex, she said, you know, in sex ed, I've always been taught how to have safe sex, but I was never taught how to have enjoyable sex. Right. So she had to get the jade egg to help herself understand her vagina and how to enjoy having an object in her vagina. Oh yeah, to just get used to that feeling. How do you learn to enjoy sex and how do you even know that you are enjoying sex? Well, I think it's a good, it's a little bit of a process. If you are kind of disconnected from your body and disconnected from your arousal, you need to first get into just enjoying being, feeling your body and breathing for yourself and maybe touching your own body and learning what turns you on in that way. And then being able to relax into receiving from a partner because sometimes people are like anxious and they jump out and they get distracted. And so learning how to really engross in the experience mm-hmm. and sense into all of the sensations that are coming in and connect them to your pussy. Can I say pussy here? Yeah. (laughs) Connect them to your pussy. You know, it just takes a little while to kind of get your body up and running in that way if you haven't before. What are some methods that people can do at home to enjoy sex more? I think learning how to do deep breathing and also like squeezing your kegel muscles when you breathe and then touching your body in different ways, like giving yourself light touch or squeezing touch. Um, I'm also a huge fan of the vibrator. If you mm-hmm. need to learn how to orgasm, I, I love the Mimi Soft. That's my favorite. Mimi Soft? Yeah. I've never, I've heard, never heard of, of that one. Oh, she's great because she it's like small and egg-shaped, but, but flat. And so mm. you can use it during intercourse. Oh, wait, it's small and egg shaped? Yeah, it's like the shape of an egg, but flat. I've sworn by the magic wand. She loves the magic wand, and she convinced me to get one, and I got one, and now it's 
literally a back massager, what it was meant yeah. to be. <laughs> so the magic wand is really intense. So you can put a dimmer on it, like a regular light switch dimmer. Oh. Plug it, and that way you can turn it down a little bit. Sometimes it's too intense for some people. I used to use a magic wand also, but it is hard to, to wedge in there when you're having missionary position. And I like missionary position. So yeah, uh, yeah I like to put my Mimi Soft in between my partner and I. At what point do people like end up seeking out help? If it's a couple versus an individual, how does that typically work? I think people wait for as long as they possibly can, <laughs> unfortunately, because it's, you know, it's such a shame topic. And mm-hmm. so I think people try everything else and then they're finally like, okay, fine. This is making me miserable. I want to have better sex. I want to have orgasm. I want to be a better lover. I want people to come back for a second date, you know, whatever mm. it is. And then they come, they call us and we are really fun and easy to hang out with. You know, I, I don't, I mean, I think people are terrified, but we make people so comfortable. We always get this like, wow, I never thought doing these things would be so comfortable. I could see though why someone would feel like it was like daunting to go yeah. to. And then also like a lot, la- not like last resort, but in yeah. a way it is. It's like, like, can I figure this out myself first before right. going to someone? You should almost go before it is the last resort. It should be preventative care like everything right. else. You go to the dentist, you should go to your sex coach for your sex life too, right? I agree. Right? And especially at the beginning, like I think six months into a relationship, if you do a little couples therapy right there, mm. then you don't have to do years of it five years later, mm, you so know, because you just get like, okay, you're starting to touch each other's buttons a little bit. How do you take care of each other in the midst of that? Boom, life is so much easier than if you wait until you have these horrible patterns with the person, then you're trying to dig your way out. Totally. Of them, you know? Have you ever met couples that are just absolutely not compatible in bed? Yes. And what do you say to them? What's your advice? So, there's lots of different things that couples can do if they're not compatible in bed. They can learn each other's, what we call like hot asexual movie, and see if they're willing to guest star kind of in a turn-taking way. Hmm. They can outsource so they can open their relationship and have all of the other pieces of their relationship that are working, like parenting or you know living together, which are hard things to do with people, yeah. have sexual experiences with other people. Some people find that to be helpful. Um, so it really depends on the couple. What makes a couple not compatible in bed? Often, it, I mean, the real incompatibilities come when someone has a sexual desire that the other person is kind of mm. repulsed by. Like a fetish. Yeah, I mean, it could be anything that the other person is repulsed by. It could just be like, you know, maybe somebody is really into dominance and submission and the Mm. other one really needs something romantic. Mm. And just like the idea that their partner wants to dominate them makes them feel repulsed. So it can be something that's actually quite normative or it can Mm. be something that's, you know, sort of like on the broader spectrum of desire. And we think all desires are beautiful. You know, it's just sort of like, how do you negotiate them so that you can have them consensually? Is there anything that like people come to like physical, like, size or something that you like absolutely just can't change I think a lot what you can change is sort of like your attitude about it you mean Mm. like if somebody if people just like literally don't fit together like micro penises (laughs) what do do men do when they have a micro penis well there's I mean we don't just men don't just have penises they have tongues and they have fingers and they can wear a dildo I mean you know it's like if you want more deeper sensation if your partner wants deeper sensation then there are, are ways to achieve that But also sometimes like a small penis is really, really good for hitting the G spot. Or if somebody's very clitorally oriented, then you don't need as much internal stimulation from intercourse and you're more just getting the the pelvis hitting on your clitoris and you Mm -hmm. orgasm that way. So, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to have a huge penis. I like to say there's probably like, you know, some percentage of women that are size queens. They need a big penis. (laughs) Size queens. You can work with it basically is what you're saying. you can. And, and, you know, I think women need a big penis if they are very cervical in terms of what makes them orgasm. 
because that's very deep inside of the vagina. So you need something that can reach. Can a penis be too big? Yeah, for some people it's like, ouch. You know? So some of it's not necessarily one person's size, just the fit overall. The fit, but the it sounds like there's many options. Many options. <laughs> many lids for these <laughs> pods. That's great though, because I feel like sometimes people like give up. They're like, oh my God, I love this person's amazing, except yeah. for this one thing. Yes. Like sex isn't that great, but it yeah. sounds like they can work through it. That's the time to get creative. Do you remember that episode on Sex in the City where Carrie has this like very hot and heavy relationship with this guy and they haven't had sex? And then they do finally sleep together and it was terrible. Can that kind of scenario be resolved through sex coaching? I mean, I feel like if you're starting there, it can be a little challenging. You know, like if you really like have already fallen in love with someone and maybe waited until marriage. I've had couples where that was the case where they waited until marriage and then they were completely incompatible. (laughs) I know. Isn't that? I know. That's why I say like have sex, you know, like don't wait. (laughs) Don't wait. So I'd love to learn a little more about people that are coming as a single. Like what are the reasons Mm. that they're coming? Like I know you touched on a few, like Mm. just confidence or just like lack of experience like what types of things do you coach them through yeah it can be shame it can be like they have some trauma that they've done a lot of work on already but they haven't really learned how to re-embrace their pleasure so it can be you know wanting to be a better lover and technique and you know or you get a new partner and you're like oh I'm totally lost everything that used to work doesn't work now and and I need to learn some new tools brush up on the latest. (laughs) We talked about how what women can do at home to enjoy sex more. Mm -hmm. What can guys do? Um, I do think extended masturbation and Mm. maybe doing some masturbation without porn, because a lot of times if you do, if you masturbate every time with porn, you're kind of training your body for very quick psychological based arousal and you're not getting a sensation based arousal. So if you do more like full body masturbation, like you can still be touching your penis, but like touching the rest of your body at the same time, maybe using fantasy instead of porn, which is a little lighter in terms Mm -hmm. of how intense it is psychologically, that you develop that other pathway to arousal and pleasure more. And then you have both psychological and physiological arousal. Porn is an interesting point because I feel like there's a side of it that sometimes expectations are off if people just watch porn all the time and they expect things that happen in porn to happen in real life. Do you ever see instances like that? Oh yeah, I think it's going to be like the scourge of the future because, (laughs) because, you know, whereas like the people who are coming into my office now, like luckily found a Playboy one time when they were 12, you know, now it's just like you click and you can get everything at your fingertips. And it is a very unrealistic, especially portrayal of female pleasure, Mm, you know, because it's just like right to the clit, like hard and fast, you know, and I just, like... The jackrabbit. I can't stand that move. It's terrible. As soon as it, like, will stop touching it so fast and so hard, like, we just started making out. What are you doing? I'm not ready for this. gentle. Be gentle. gentle. Also, like, there's other parts of my body. Warm me up first, you know? Right, yeah. So when you say extended masturbation... Do you have like a time for that? Yeah, maybe like take a half an hour, you know, and half really half an hour. Ah. Huh. Yeah, really like lie down, do some breath, you know, like warm yourself up a little. So what are some like methods that are used in your actual office? So I could even help somebody practice extended masturbation, but with clothes on, right? So they can be touching their whole body. They can be touching themselves over their clothing. So you guide them through it. Got it. And help them breathe and help them make sound, help them move their bodies, you know, just sort of like get into it more. Do you think your clients fantasize about you? I hope so. (laughs) 
Well, that's a great segue to your own life because I would love to hear how this has impacted your own dating life. And I want to say something about I hope so, you know, because it's not like it's not like an egotistical thing. It's like people should be fantasizing about all sorts of things all the time. And they are, you know, and I want to encourage people to have all of the fantasies that they have and not feel like, oh, I'm not allowed to think about, you know, you because you're my coach or something like that. You know, that's true. Very true. But yes, my own my own dating life. (laughs) How has being a sex coach affected your own dating life? I do think on the one hand, I can be a little bit intimidating Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. first. But I think also what people realize once that we start, I'm like, hey, I like this and this feels good. And I'm super positive and encouraging. So I think in some ways I might be easier to figure out because I'm very communicative. I didn't Mm. used to be. It took me a long time, actually, even of doing this work, because it's hard to tell somebody what you want while, while you're having sex. It's about feedback. Right? Yes. And I think a lot of people just haven't given that feedback or heard that feedback. Yeah. So we just end up doing the same things over and over again. Right. Exactly. So I could see as a guy or whoever you're dating, I could see them being intimidated. Like, am I going to be like analyzed while mm-hmm. I'm having sex? Yeah. Does that ever come up? Totally. And I mean, in some ways, they are being analyzed. (laughs) Because I can't totally shut that part of myself off, you know. And at the same time, I'm not analyzing them to criticize them. I'm more just like, you know, what would be better for me? You know, so I'll say like, oh, I actually really like to be bitten. Can Mm. you like, and then I'll show like, this is a place, you know, on my shoulder where I like to be bitten. Could you bite a little harder? You know, and I'm teaching them Mm. how what turns me on the most as we're going along. And you say you do put it on your dating profile. What do you say exactly? Yeah, I just say, you know, this is for me, but this is my work, you know, so can people can kind of like have some idea of what they're coming into. (laughs) Percentage wise, what percentage of people use that as their pickup line or like the starting point when they talk to you? I think not very many. No? Yeah, not very many more, you know, I mean, sometimes they'll say interesting, but that's usually no, they don't really say that. Have you ever been on a date when someone didn't like read it in your profile and it comes out later? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, oh, really? Okay. So I'm always kind of shocked by that because it's it's a good test to see if they read your profile or not. Yeah, they're just looking at my picture. It was front and center. Yeah, right there. Sex coach. Because Julie puts it on her. Well, she's not a sex coach, but (laughs) dateable podcast. Yeah. Well, this is a new recent experiment on her profile. I've done it my own profile, and I would say more times than not. People would use that as like a starting, Actually, like a conversation starter. I had a lot starter. of people recently not bring it up. So they're either not reading the profile or they don't know how to bring it up. One of the two. The line <laughs> I always get is, am I going to end up on your podcast? Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people have said. Are you just trying to get clients? Right. Yeah. Or are you doing this for research? Right. Right. Research is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that sex has evolved over the years. There's new toys, there's new methods, there's new porn out there. Mm -hmm. How do you keep updated with all this new information from Mm -hmm. year to year? I feel like I keep updated largely like hearing my clients talk about what turns Mm -hmm. them on because one of the key conversations that I always have is to try to get to the bottom of like what's really arousing to people and not just like what they want to do in bed, but sort of like what they want to feel and what the buildup they want to have is and, and, you know, sort of, yeah, a lot about the emotional content in addition to the sensual content of what they want. So then I get to hear all sorts of interesting (laughs) stories. (laughs) I'm sure. What are some new things that have come up in recent years? Oh, I mean, new, like new site. Well, one of the most surprising ones that I, I actually just read about this. Have you heard of Vore? 
No. What's that? Yeah, so it's where people want to be devoured by a large monster. V-O-R-E. I know. So how do you do that in bed? You know, I think it's a lot fantasy. Maybe you might like put your hand in somebody's mouth. I mean, I guess you can get some of the feeling, but the imagery of Vore is all just like people climbing into these huge like alien beings and like, (laughs) I don't know, sort of being devoured or drooled all over. This came up with multiple clients? No, no. This was something that I more read about. (laughs) I read about it but actually wow. one of our practitioners did have someone who was into it got it yeah every desire is out there well i think <laughs> this is a good segue of like how has this opened your mind up to sex and sexuality yeah because it seems like you come from a very liberal family but then you hear stuff like this yeah right? have you yeah what are the points in your practice where you kind of think to yourself wow okay i'm actually more vanilla than i think Let's take a quick break and talk about support. Supportive bras, that is. For anyone who wears bras, we can all bond over the fact that it's a frustrating process. Finding the right size is always a challenge, and once you do, it may have pokey wires or itchy fabric. I am so happy to have found Harper Wild because they make the whole bra experience so pleasant. Harper Wild bras are supportive and comfy with adjustable straps and a J-hook in the back so you can switch to a racer back anytime. You can easily find your size through their online fit quiz and then you'll be pleasantly surprised at how affordable their bras are. I love the one I got because it goes so smoothly under even my silk blouses and I feel good because a portion of each sale supports mentorship and educational programming for girls 6 to 18. It's time to start lifting up your ladies with Harper Wild. Go to harperwild.com datable and use the promo code datable to get 15% off your first purchase. That's harperwild, spelled W-I-L-D-E, dot com slash datable. That's spelled D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for 15% off your first purchase. Harperwild.com slash datable. Now back to the show. What are the points in your practice where you kind of think to yourself, wow, okay, I'm actually more vanilla than I think? Yeah, I feel like there have been people who've come in and had, you know, interesting fantasies where at first I was a little bit surprised, but then I was like, okay, I get it. Like I had this one um, client, he really, again, another sort of devouring fantasy, but he would picture like being eaten by women. And it was actually really fun to kind of role play it with like, So he liked to be like tied down and then, and I would sort of tell him this story, like imagine we're all standing around you and we have our forks and knives. (laughs) He was so excited that somebody was just like fully accepting him around it. And I was like, whatever our content is in our psychology, it's just something that makes us like, you can imagine why somebody would want to feel devoured. It's like, Mm -hmm. I want every single part of you, you know, that's a desire. Yeah, interesting. that's true. Right? So I think the article we found you in originally, there was like... Like a few sex coaches and therapists listed, and most of them were bisexual. Mm. Is that just coincidence, or do you feel like that's actually common because you're just more open? I think maybe people would be more interested in being a sex coach if they have more open attitudes towards sex, but I don't know. I'm not sure if there's more bisexual sex coaches. But you're bisexual, right? I am, yeah. It's so interesting because I think about part of it is I think people come to you knowing that you have this expertise in a field that is also kind of like people don't want to talk about it, right? Yes. But on the other hand, there's like this underground sexual liberation that's also happening where people are just doing all kinds of sex things and not really knowing if they like it or not. Mm. So I guess how does someone go about like maybe there's like a worksheet 
of how to get to the bottom of what you really like. Yeah. And that comes from like really checking what your boundaries are. So I think people often just bypass themselves and they're not even listening to their body when their body says, no, I don't want this, you know? So I'm not just teaching people like have every different kind of sex. I want people to get really picky and specific Mm -hmm. and not do things that they don't want to do and be really clear on their boundaries and definitely do the things that they want to do the most and teach their partners how to give that to them and learn what their partners want from them, you know? So I think it's like to, to dial down and and really get to the bottom of it. Do you ever tell your clients to go to sex parties or play parties? Yeah, I mean, for sure, if they want to learn more. And some people are just interested in like opening their relationship or they Mm -hmm. want to try swinging. They come to me because they don't know how to do that in a way where it's going to feel like safe and comfortable for them. So I help them negotiate it. And then sometimes I even take a field trip, you know, with a couple or an individual to a sex party and we talk about it. field trip. (laughs) Is there a school bus? What if you're a couple who just enjoys vanilla missionary sex all the time and it's just pleasurable for both people? Do you think this couple just they really know what they want or they just haven't explored enough to expand outside the horizon? I think if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah? Okay. If everybody's happy with what's going on, then great. You know, I always celebrate like, yes, you know what you want. You, you're you doing it. You know? So I guess, have, like, have you pushed your own boundaries at all and either found something new or something yeah. new that didn't work? I mean, that's a good question. I think the biggest place where I have pushed my boundaries is about around dominating mm. because I'm more generally submissive in bed, but I have had partners who wanted me to be more dominant in different ways. And that's been fun you know to explore that part of myself it also feels like a lot of responsibility yeah. <laughs> because like oh I'd rather just be like the one who's being told what to do yeah, <laughs> as opposed to like wow I need to like try to give this person the experience that they're hoping for from that dominant place interesting and what's something that you've learned recently about yourself that you didn't know let's say two years ago I think I didn't know I do like power play and I like both sides of it Like there are times when I do feel like I want to be very powerful sexually. You know, I more like to be powerless in experiences. So learning that I really like to be powerful too. And yeah, have this. I think the feeling that I like to have these days is like, it's all mine. Like I can have as much as I want, you know, sort of like queen of the universe. You're the queen. Are you current state? Do you sleep with men and women or just one at this point? I'm much more dating men right now. Recently had a threesome with a man and a woman, but I'm dating men. And were you bisexual before your practice or did that become open because of it? I came out as bisexual when I was 19. Okay. Yeah. So, so way before. Way before. When you do get into relationships, are they monogamous relationship or are you poly open? I've had phases of monogamy. Me, but but since I'm in my early 20s, I have had mostly open relationship of some kind or another. What are your rules in open relationships? It's been so different. Like early on, I was dating men. I was in long-term relationships with men, but I still wanted to be with women. And so it was like I could see other pe- women, but maybe they couldn't see anyone else or we would only mm, have threesomes together. Or And then, you know, later on, like in my marriage, we at first were only seeing other women. Then eventually I started seeing other men also. And he started seeing some women by himself when it, at first we were just doing it together. So my experience is that it shifts and it's renegotiable. Mm. And that's how I want people to do relationship any 
anyway, instead of thinking like, you promised me this and it's going to be like that forever. It's like, well, people change. So if you're not willing to roll with the punches of the changing of relationships, it's very hard to sustain long-term relationship, not just around monogamy and open, but, yeah. you know, just in general, like, don't think that the person you married at 25 is going to be the person you're hanging right. out with at 45. Yeah. Or the same sexual desires yeah. necessarily. Exactly. Because We're once you do that a hundred times, yes. it might not be as interesting anymore. Yeah. Right. You might want variety or, yeah. We always hear this story where we hear about women losing their libido as they age mm. and not having the desire as much. But it also happens to men. And I don't think we discuss it as much because we just yep. assume men want sex all the time. Right. Especially after like a big life change like children, for example. I right. hear it a lot in those situations. Yes. Or when they age and their yep. hormones deplete. I don't know. I, that's not the right term. But, you no, know. No, it is the right term. And I, and I mean, I get a little bit tired of that story because actually what some research has shown is that women get a little bit bored more easily than men, which oh. I think is the opposite of what our cultural training says. And so a lot of times... Sometimes I think women's libido goes down because they're not really interested in having sex with their long-term partner, but yeah. they start to say, well, it must be the estrogen. You know, they, they start to blame it on their hormones. Not that, it, that hormones don't go down and it certainly changes how mm. much we want to have sex, but I do feel like there's a lot going on there. Like they might just not be getting the sex that they want or they're mm. bored with their partner or they're bored with the kind of, you know, so I don't buy it if people come in just, oh, my hormones, you know, or, oh, and, and right after you have kids, for sure, it's like really hard to want to have sex of again. Course, You're exhausted. Yeah. But, you know, once they're a little bit older, if it's still the same story, then I start to wonder, you know, what's going on here? And what about for men when they say they're they're losing the desire? Where are some things that they can do? Yeah, I think I think it can be hormones going down. I think a lot of times, again, with our monogamous assumption, what a lot of people do is they shut down their desire altogether. Like they never Mm. even like check anyone else out Mm. or they feel like, okay, I only have to put my desire in this one direction. And so the sort of like the river of desire that's like flowing starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller becomes this tiny little like trickle because because they're not just like I'm a sexual being and I walk around in the world as a sexual being they're like oh sex is this compartmentalized thing and it only happens over here and it only happens with this one person Uh, so so they're repressing it yeah and I think it's like well I just try to help people like you can keep your agreements you know don't cheat if you've said I'm not going to be with other people but like don't shut down this part of yourself and like only have it in these tiny little moments in your life let's Hold that thought for a sec. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. 
We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think some of it is like, because I know personally, like if I've gained weight, for example, I'm less sexual feeling or like when I know like men I've been with have been super stressed and that kind of changes things. Do you think like some of it has to do with those type of, I want to say internal external factors because they're about you, but they're not about your partner necessarily. Right. Yes, I definitely think stress like makes it really hard to be turned on and you need to like take time and relax in order to get back in your body and want sex. And I do feel like body image is a huge thing for women and really infuriating as far as I'm concerned because women are so sexy at all different shapes and sizes. I know. Women are so much better naked than men. But we're also self-critical of ourselves. Not even, yeah. Yeah, but why? Because societal messages are constantly, we're being bombarded. I do not, I I will not look at a fashion magazine. When I go into a store that has them, I turn Mm. them around. (laughs) Yeah, the funniest part, at least I've noticed times when I've felt it, the men I'm with don't notice it at all. At all. At all. It's all in your own head. Like totally. It's totally. They're like, what do you mean? Head. You look great. Yeah. They're like, why are we not having sex? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> That's just so crazy the way we internalize sex and how that gets expressed with our partners. Met this girl the other day and she's been with her boyfriend for eight years. They haven't had sex for over a year. Mm. And she told me two things that alarmed me. One is, it's all on me. I'm so busy and stressed all the time. I just don't feel like it. And two... It's okay because he's not asking for it either. Yeah, that's a disaster. That is, right? (laughs) Isn't that the first thing that goes in a relationship? Like the sex goes, then the relationship's going downhill. Yeah, and and the first part where she thinks it's all her is a problem because they're going to have to resolve that as a team, you know? And Mm. I don't think it's a good idea for her to assume that her partner doesn't want it just because he's not asking, Mm. you know? And and so I think you definitely, like she would, she should bring it up. And if he's saying, yeah, I'm fine. I don't really, I don't need sex to be part of my relationship. I want to live celibate for whatever. There, (laughs) There are some people like that. I think it's a very low number. You know, but likely he's masturbating, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think in the long term, you know, unless you address it, it's going to probably become a problem in the relationship. How would you advise her to address this situation? Just to say, you know, I know we haven't had, but I mean, that means she has to open a can of worms, you know, but like to say, I know we haven't had sex for a year. How are you feeling about that? But it's kind of the elephant in the room, I would think. Right. Because he knows. I mean, they both know. It's not like a mystery. Yeah. He's not like, oh, 
what? It's been a year. So, <laughs> but sometimes when you start to have the conversation about it, like things open up. Right. It's like, what other issues are there that aren't necessarily related to sex that are causing that lack of intimacy? Yeah. So for anybody who thinks it's fine, we're not having sex, we're just going through a phase, you should address it right away, right? That's really a good yeah. idea. Well, I think it's a good segue to takeaways. So I think one that you definitely said is a lot of it, I think there's definitely the physical component, but the emotional component too, whether that's your own self, things that you need to work through or with a partner when there might be some other reason Mm -hmm. that the intimacy is gone. I think that was super interesting. I think my other big takeaway is like, just because like you think there might be a physical limitation, there's always ways to make things work. And really, we say this like a broken record, but it like all comes back to communication. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes with sex, you're like, oh, that's the one place I don't have to communicate because it's physical. Yes. But that is not the case. And can all. I add something to that? Yes, not just do. Not just communication, but a willingness to be creative. Mm, and yes. to not think sex is supposed to happen in this particular way, at this particular time, spontaneously, with these particular people. You know, we have all mm. sorts of rules that are in our mind that aren't really true. That's a great Right? Like, I'm supposed to be able to orgasm from intercourse. That is a ridiculous rule that leaves many, many, many women out of the picture, and even some men. Right. You know, we get men who are like, I my can't orgasm orgasm with my partner's touch Mm. right they're not orgasming from oral sex they're not orgasming from intercourse so what does that mean they can't have a great sex life no they can just do really exciting fun things and then they finish themselves off at the end Mm. or does it mean that you're bad at sex because of those like i think that's when people probably will come thinking that something's wrong with them always my biggest takeaway is a lot of how you experience sex starts with how you relate to yourself and you have to have sex with yourself first. I, I talked to these these girls about the other day and they said, I didn't know I liked a certain thing until I tried an object in a certain way. And I related so hard because TMI right now, I didn't know certain stimulation actually stems from my experience with pillows when I was a kid. Yes, (laughs) that's not TMI. Thank you for saying it. And I am totally open about it. I tell all my partners about it. My first orgasm, I remember I was like seven. Yes. And I had a pillow in between my legs and I was squeezing and I thought this was like the best sensation in the world. I told my mom about it and she said, don't do it again. Your vagina is going to explode. That's what she told me. (laughs) That's horrible. So I never wanted to do it again in front of her, but I did it behind closed doors. Until this day, I still know that's the best sensation I can get and it can get me to orgasm. Interesting. I'm so glad you tell your partners because I've had women who masturbate a certain way and then they go their entire sexual life with partners never having an orgasm and they're only having orgasm when they're by themselves with their pillows or with their vibrator. It's like, bring your pillow, bring your vibrator. Oh my God, bring it all. Bring it all because, you know, and then your partner can be giving you all sorts of stimulation. It's not like they're useless at that moment, you know. Having a pillow in between your legs may not be the typical porn that you see. So I know I brought this up to partners where they're just so surprised. They're like, wait, show me. How does this work? Because they're so used to that image of a woman with her fingers in between her clit and like just rubbing so hard and she's screaming. I'm like, no, no, no. No. That's not how it looks when I'm masturbating. So it's good to bring it up to just show that there are all different facets of what could turn you on. That's a really good takeaway too. Like it kind of ties 
into yours about getting creative is like what works for you guys as a couple too. Yes. It's not what you see in porn. It's not maybe what works for your mm. best friend and his wife or right. her wife, her husband, whoever it may be. <laughs> All of but the above. It's, yeah. It's what works for you. And then if you don't know, like how do you either work with a sex coach or go to sex parties or just explore with your own partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other takeaway I have, this was mind-blowing when you said this to me. Fantasy doesn't have to be monogamous. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what you said. And I love that because I kind of encourage my partners to go to strip clubs or to go flirt with women because I do think they get more aroused. And when they come home, they are more revved up to go. Yep. But I mean, some people may not find that kosher for them because they, right. they want to feel like their partner only has eyes for them. Yep. But you're so right. When we stimulate so many other areas with different people, different sceneries, different situations, then we're able to play out these fantasies even better in the bedroom. Yes. Awesome. Do you have any last takeaways before we do a rapid fire question? Oh, I think let's just rapid fire. Okay. Rapid fire. okay. <laughs> so we're going to give you a scenario and you're going to give us like the, a very quick line of advice okay. for the scenario. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay, go ahead. How do you keep a spark alive after being together for a while? You have to find out what deeply turns each other on and not just hope that it's going to like suddenly happen without you talking about it. Okay. How do you get rid of the urge to want to sleep with other people when you've been with someone for a while? I don't think you get rid of the urge. You let yourself feel the urge. You just don't act on it. Mm. Just, or, sorry, just I know it's not my answer, but or you discuss open relationships if yes. it works for you guys. Find another way. Yeah. For sure, for sure. How do you tell a partner <laughs> that you have an STI? Uh, I think you just say, hey, let's have the STI talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I usually tell people, you know, like, mm-hmm. let there be some connection, meet the person, unless they insist like having it before, you know, over chat or something like that. But meet the person, have a connection and then say, hey, there's something that I need to let you know before it goes any further. When do you know a fetish is disruptive to your relationship? So I think fetishes can be totally incorporated into sex life. There's nothing inherently wrong with having a fetish. In fact, I think I just hate the idea that there's that we sort of categorize. I think romance is a fetish. Mm. You know, it's just one that's very socially acceptable. True. It's a good point. It's normalized. So I think it only is a problem in your relationship if your partner is disturbed by it in some way. Like if you can't navigate a sex life that includes that. Mm. Okay. Is squirting genetic or something that can be learned? I learned. You learned. Yes. Okay, so you're living proof. I'm living proof. Is there like a a book we can buy on Amazon or something? Because that's what my friend did. (laughs) Yes, there actually is. I'm trying to remember. It's by somebody named Deborah Sundahl, S-U-N-D-A-H-L. She talks about how to learn. But basically, you just got to get a good hook on that G spot mm-hmm. and like go come hither, come hither, you know, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, and like kind of pull towards the back of the pelvic wall. And then when you take your fingers out, you say push out. You push out like you're trying to pee. And then you go back in, stimulate, 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 then pull the fingers out, then push out, and then go back in, stimulate, stimulate, stimulate. And then eventually usually it happens. If you feel like you're going to pee, you're not actually going to pee. You're going to ejaculate. So at that moment, you need to let it go. It's kind of like an orgasm. Yeah. I feel like I need to pee. It is an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, If you need to pee when you, if you feel like you need to pee when you're orgasming, you are a woman on the verge of squirting. Why does it come so naturally for some women? Yeah, some women, it's just totally part of their orgasmic, like that's the way their body orgasms, Ah. just like wetly. Some others of us have to learn. Last question. If you're a virgin in your 30s or 40s, what do you do? 
I love working with virgins in their 30s or 40s. I had this one client where taught him everything about seduction and kind of build up. And he had sex with a woman for the first time in his early 40s. And she was like, how many women have you done this with? You're an animal. She was like <laughs> accusing him of being some kind of player. Oh, my God. <laughs> I taught him well. so proud of myself. Amazing. What about a female virgin? <sighs> yeah, I think a female virgin... I mean, if you want to lose your virginity as a woman, it's not that hard. So I think there's probably emotional reasons or like something holding her back, fear or trauma. So, you know, doing some work to kind of help her feel safe enough and like find someone who she feels comfortable enough with to do it is important. Nice. Awesome. Rapid fire. Success. Any other last takeaways, thoughts? I mean, I think we covered it all. <laughs> that rapid fire was just getting all those last minute questions out. I'm going to go have. buy this Mimi Soft silicone <laughs> vibrator. That's slash, your takeaway? Slash, and the book right on now. Amazon. We're all set. <laughs> I have three of them, so you know. <laughs> but I mean, this is the thing about sex is that you always learn something new from just talking about it with others. So yeah. it's like continuing education yeah. all the time. People all don't want to talk about it either. Like, Ugh. I think there's definitely a subset of people and then and there is a larger discussion that just makes everyone more comfortable. Let's talk about sex. Yes. Let's keep talking about sex. Let's. I love it. Celeste, if people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Um, they can find us on celesteanddanielle.com. Or if you want to become a coach, somatica.com. S-O-M-A-T-I-C-A. Fabulous. Awesome. All right, everyone. I hope um, you all get some tonight, either from yourself or with a partner or multiple partners. <laughs> you deserve it. You know, it's a great stress reliever. And we're going to keep this conversation about sex. We'll have more topics related to it. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, please reach out to us, datablepodcast.com. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Stay dateable. Your action item for this week is to make sexual wellness a priority in your life. If you're spending time focusing on mental wellness, physical wellness, we should place equal importance on sexual wellness. And that doesn't necessarily mean having lots of sex. It means learning more about your body, other people's bodies, and just educating yourself on the topic of pleasure. Want to continue the conversation? First, tag us in any post with hashtag StayDatable. Then head on over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching services with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series, where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. To connect with us, find Dateable Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also downloadable on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Mm-hmm.